celebrating at Christmas time, but uh, it's very interesting hearing uh, children explain things and, and seeing life through the eyes of a child. I love it. Uh, my kids, actually, when, we, when, when our kids were small, our boys were small. Caleb, I think it was. He used to call it Quimus. So we'd be celebrating Quimus, K-W-I-M-A-S, Quimus was today. That's what he used to call it. Uh, celebrating a couple of days. Sorry, Quimus time. But um, we are here this morning as a, uh, we're not having church on Christmas Day. Some churches have church services on Christmas Day and so on. This is our Christmas service here today. So we draw attention to uh, probably the two big things that are uh, out there, the two big figureheads of Christmas in the Western world. That would be uh, Jesus Christ and the other would be Santa Claus. And before we move on to the real figurehead, I want to just give you a few interesting facts about Santa Claus. I can say that, can I? I can say some facts about Santa Claus. The weight of Santa's sleigh loaded with one beanie baby for every child on planet Earth would be 333,333 tonnes. That's one beanie baby per child on planet Earth. The number of reindeer required to pull a 333,333 tonne sleigh is 214,206 reindeers. Plus Rudolph. That's not including Rudolph. So that's over 200,000 reindeer to pull that sleigh. That's with one beanie baby in it. To deliver his gifts in one night, Santa would have to make 822.6 visits per second and slay at 3,000 times the speed of sound. Anyone feel like you've been told a lie? And at that speed... Santa and his reindeer would burst into flames instantaneously. So there you go. Proof. I have it written down proof. I don't quite know that all the stuff they've been telling us about him is true. Uh, but the flip side is I think all the stuff they've probably been telling us about Jesus out there in the media is probably not true as well. In the world is probably not true as well. Uh, I happen to believe what the Bible says, and that is that God came down to earth as a man, and that man is the person, the figurehead, the historical person that we refer to these days as Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here this morning, is to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But I want to put, a, I guess, a little bit of a different spin on it today. Instead of focusing on a baby in a manger, which is the dominant figure uh, for Christianity, I read a McCrindle research paper last week. And they researched uh, a bunch of people in Australia and they asked the question, do you have a problem with councils and shopping centres putting nativity scenes in their windows and on display? 53% of Australians said, no, we think it's a great thing because we don't want to lose the meaning for the holiday. 53%, I thought that was a pretty amazing stat, but uh, 53% of people acknowledging that there is another side to Christmas besides commercialism and spend. There is something, Jesus, somewhere in the mix, there's something about Jesus and Christmas, whether you're a follower of the Christian faith or not, there's something significant about the birth of this little baby. But I just want to uh, look at it, I guess, this morning from a bit of a different focal point, a bit of a different perspective. I saw a card actually recently too uh, of two old ladies. I, I thought I'd share this. This is this is just for the old lady. This is for Dell here because Dell's got a wicked sense of humour. And I actually did think of you when I saw this. It was two older ladies and they were sitting there and they had a cup of coffee in hand, their glasses on, and they were turning, having a conversation. One had the glasses down, looking over the top of the glasses, and she made this statement. She said, "A virgin birth, I can believe, but three wise men." Mm. 
Now, everybody clapping doesn't normally come to this church. I want you to know that because the women that come to this church would never applaud something so stupid and lying as that statement that I just made. But I thought it was quite funny. I did think of you, Dill, your sense of humour. So that's just for you. I purely gave that one there for you. In December 1903, after many, many attempts, mostly failed, the Wright brothers finally got what they called their flying machine off the ground. (laughs) They were so excited about it, they sent a telegraph back to their sister Catherine at home. And this is what the telegraph said. It said, we've actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Catherine was so excited that she actually ran to the editor of the local newspaper in the town where she was, and she gave the letter to him all excited about what her brothers had achieved and what had happened. He read the letter, and here's what he said. He said, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. All he got out of that telegram was the boys will be home for Christmas. He missed the big news that she was trying to communicate that, hey, my brothers have built a flying machine, and it got off the ground for 120 feet. And he looked at the letter and all he could see was the boys were coming home for Christmas. To me, it sounds a little bit like the Western world and Christmas. We've missed the big point. And it's easy to see why. And and, and I guess in the midst of the parties and the celebrations, uh, in the midst of the gatherings together with your workmates and your friends, organising everything for Christmas Day. We have our our, meals and stuff that many people do Christmas Day. They might gather together with family or, or extended friends or whatever. But all the stuff that goes on, the, the shopping lists, you know, you've got to put your shopping list together for what you need to buy when you go to the shops because nothing's open on Christmas Day, so make sure you've got everything before that day. The list of presents you've got to get. You've got to go out and, you, you know, everyone's got their, you know, lists and this is what I'd like and so on. And, and so you, you, you've got to run out and try to tick all the boxes there and make sure that what you get is what, you know, people uh, are, are wanting or what's going to benefit them, what's going to help them. All these things that happen. Then, of course, there's the magic S. Everyone's seen the magic S. I'm not talking about Superman. Superman is a repellent. This magic S is an attractant. It's called a sales sign, Val. It's a big sales sign that are pitched up. And when people walk past shops and they see something and they go, well, 50% off and they buy it. And they walk away feeling like they've got a deal because they paid 50% less for something they would never have bought anyway had they not seen a sales sign. But still, in our conscience, we feel like, wow, what a bargain. We go, look, this bargain I got. Great, you bought a purple brick what are you going to do with it it doesn't matter but it was 50 percent off yeah you know i'm not missing the point i knew that the ladies would say something like that i waited for that reaction but it's easy to see in the western world that we're missing the point and here's the thing i think as a church i don't even think a baby in a manger is the point of christmas i don't think a baby born in bethlehem in a manger is necessarily the focal point of Christmas. And I want to show you why. I want to show you why. If you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 9 to 10. We're going to have a look at it in a second. When Jesus came on the scene, the Jewish nation had had 400 years of silence. They hadn't had any significant contact or any significant words or revelations or anything from Yahweh, the the creator of the universe, the God that they had followed through their infancy. 400 years of silence. All of a sudden, Jesus is born. 700 years before Jesus came, there was a prophet called Isaiah. And there were several other prophets around that time. And you go back to the Old Testament, I'm not going to spend time doing it today, but you go back to the Old Testament, you can read these, these historical documents. Okay? Let's, let's remember that this book that we have compiled today called the Bible was not something that 
couple of hundred years ago, somebody decided to just write a big volume of 66 books and stick it in a cover. This is a collection of historical documents. And 700 years before Jesus came, prophets, speaking of the future, began to drop hints to this nation saying, one day, one day, one day God is going to send a saviour. One day God is going to send someone that will rescue you out of the pain and the suffering that you're in. From the end of the Old Testament, the last prophet speaks and there's a 400-year period of silence. And God's saying and doing nothing that's recorded that we're aware of. Of course God was doing things. Waiting is doing something. But for 400 years, there's nothing. And then when this baby is born, God is actually making a statement to the world. God is saying something. After 400 years of silence and inactivity, now God's doing something. And here's what I think he's saying to the world. He's saying, I love you and I haven't given up on you. I love you and I haven't given up on you. After 400 years of no interaction, how many of you can have a friend or a family member or an acquaintance or a work colleague not call you for six months and you feel like, oh, I'm out of their life. They've forgotten me. They've moved on. They've made new friends. They've done this. They've done that. 400 years with no contact, with no recorded acknowledgement of God to them, just going through the emotions of their faith and the rituals of their religion. But God speaks to them through the birth of this child and he says, I love you and I haven't forgotten you. I haven't given up on you. First John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says this. It says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God. The Jewish nation didn't necessarily, they didn't have a clean slate when you go back and have a look at the way that they responded to God. His grace, his mercy was there for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the way that they responded, I mean, they're no different to you and me, to be brutally honest with us. Some days are diamonds for us and we're just cruising. Other days are stones and we know that we're not thinking the way we should, living the way we should, talking the way we should, treating people the way we should. But God's grace and God's mercy is always there for us. It says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Or he sent his son to be the one that would deal with this sin issue that's there between mankind and between us. Jesus' arrival on the scene was the tangible evidence to humanity that God loved them. If you want to know at any point in human history that God loves you, look to the baby in a manger. Look to that moment where God laid aside his divinity and took on human flesh and came down to earth and then lived as a man and suffered as a man and died as a man and took upon him the punishment that you and I deserve. That's what the Christmas story is all about. That's what the Jesus story is all about. It's about God loving us when we had no interest in him. It's about God letting us know that, hey, I haven't forgotten you. You There might be people here today and you might feel like it's been a while since you feel like you've felt God's presence or you've heard his voice. Or it might be a while since you feel like God has shown any favour towards your life. Well, I want to say to you today, Christmas is a great reminder that God has not given up on you. God will not give up on you. Uh, God loves you. And if you don't believe that, then look to the baby in the manger. Look at that moment when Jesus came down. It says that the love of God was manifested towards us. It was physically demonstrated. It was showing something's manifested. You see it. It becomes tangible. It becomes real. And at Christmas, that's that moment in history where the reality of God's love became tangible 
for all of humanity. We look at Jesus and we know in that baby in a manger that God beyond a shadow of a doubt is for us and loves us and that God has not given up on us. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the, the, the guy on the 24th of December that 11 o'clock at night I'm sitting there going, I don't think I've got enough presents for everybody. Is anyone else like that or is it just me? I'm that person. You know, some, some people, you're probably not like that. You, you check your list and you go, I, I struggle. And we're coming up to that. We're only a couple of days away from that now. So tomorrow, just tomorrow night at 11 o'clock, would you all pray for me? Because I can tell you what I'll be doing. I'll be sitting up in my bed. I'll be going, oh, have I really got enough? I just want to get more. I should get them something else. And I've thought about this for years and years and years. Why do I go through this process? Because we can sit down, have our list. We can look at it today and we can both agree and go, yeah, they're all covered. It's great. Christmas is over. But in my brain and in my heart, I get at 11 o'clock on the 24th and I'm going, it's not over. I've got to get more. I've got to give them something else. And I've wondered, why am I like that? Why can't I just settle for what we've done? And I realise it's because on Christmas Day, I want my kids and I want my family to wake up and I want them to feel like they're the most loved people on planet Earth. I want them to feel on that morning like they are the greatest thing since sliced bread. I want them to look at those gifts. I want them to open up those gifts. And I want them to know that these are tiny expressions of the love that I have for you. And tiny expressions, because there's no tangible, physical gift down here that I could give that could express the love that I have for my family. So that night before, I'm wrestling with it because I'm always feeling like, is this expressing completely to you the love that I have for you? And the reality is it's not, and and it can't. But that's why I wrestle with it. But when we give gifts on Christmas morning, when you wake up and you unwrap those gifts, it's not just the thing. The gifts that you have given, that you've thought about, they're, they're expressions of your love for those individuals to whom you've given those gifts. That's what they are. And Jesus, in the very real sense, is that gift from God to us that's an expression from his heart, a manifested expression of how he feels about us, of how he loves us. It's a gift. Jesus is a gift that was given to us by the creator of the universe, by God himself. This is what the writer is saying in John. He's saying in this, the love of God was manifested. It was made known. It was shown toward us that God has sent his only begotten son. If you don't know that God loves you, then this Christmas, think about that baby in a manger. God benefited nothing out of coming to earth as a man. You ever thought about that? What's the benefit to God? What's the benefit to God to do that? Why, Why would he have... Let me tell you something about God. He's the creator of the universe. He's incredibly secure. He's not sitting on a, on a counsellor's bench right now going, oh, people don't love me, they don't believe in me, what am I going to do? Am I Arthur or Mother? God is very secure in who he is. He needs nothing to be given to him to boost his self-esteem. He needs nothing to make him feel more safe or secure in himself as a person. There's nothing that I can do that will build into God and make God more God. So why would God send Jesus. Why not just wipe his hands and move on and just go, well, that that didn't work out the way I planned. I'll move on and I'll give another planet a shot or I'll give another group of people a shot. What is it about us? Why, Why would God do that? You ever thought about that? There's no perceived benefit for God in that. And you know, it's the same, we're probably not as pure, to be honest with you, with our gift giving, but we, we give gifts too. And generally, there's no, there shouldn't be any perceived motivation. Uh, you know, I'm giving you this gift, Del, because uh, there's something in it for me. That's not the kind of love, the reason that we give our gifts and so on at Christmas. Some of you may, I don't want to tread on your toes here. I did go shopping with a mate of mine once, his name was Joe. 
And we went up to uh, Rabina one year to do some Christmas shopping. And while we were up at Rabina, uh, the whole idea was me and Joe were going up there to shop for our wives. That was the plan. that We'd already organised it months in advance. We got up there, and so I said, righty, I'm in the perfume section of Myra, and I'm looking around for perfume for Jackie. And Joe's there, and then Joe walks off, and he goes, and I said, let's meet back at a certain time. He goes, come back. We sit down for lunch. I open up my stuff. Yeah, I've got Jackie this, perfume and some clothes and and jewellery and all that sort of stuff. So what did you get, uh, your wife? And he opens up his thing and he pulls out the box set DVD of Mad Max. I I, I said, I said, Joe, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to come across like I know everything. And I certainly don't want you to think I think I know my, your wife better than you, but I don't know that she's necessarily going to be really hanging out for the box set DVDs of Mad Max, you know? And he was brutally honest. He said, yeah, no, she probably won't, but I really want to watch them. So he bought these gifts. He wrapped them up with her name, gave them to her so she could open it, and he took them away and he watched this stuff. But, um, you know, God didn't give like that. There's no perceived benefit to God in giving Jesus Christ to humanity, the gift that he gave. There's no benefit for God in doing that. He gave us Jesus as a gift for us. Jesus is a gift from God to humanity. And like all gifts, they're given to benefit the recipient. They're given for a reason. Now let me give you a fact. If, you're, if you have any reaction to this, it'll tell me something about you. I have never been given a bra for Christmas. I've never given, been given a bra. Nobody. I haven't even, even been asked. Jackie has never even took me into a shop and gone, what do you like? What do you think about this? Would you wear this? She's never done anything like that to me. I've never, ever been given a bra for Christmas. Probably because I don't need a bra. I've never bought my wife a drill for Christmas. Number one, I value my life too much. And number two, she puts holes in walls with cake. I don't need to give her other things that can make holes in walls, Okay. But we give gifts to people because they benefit the recipient. They're given for a reason. This means that Jesus was given to us by the Father to benefit us. The benefit is all ours. It says in 1 John that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Now that tells me something. That tells me that from God's perspective, there's something about Jesus that adds and builds something into my quality of life here on earth that I don't have apart from him. So when God looks down and he sees humanity and he sees a bunch of people existing and he goes, but I don't want you just to exist. I want you to actually experience life. I want you to have life. And the way by which I can get life to you is by giving you this gift called Jesus. And through this gift, the end result of this gift is that you'll be able to attain and lay a hold of this thing called life. Not just existence, but this thing called life. So apart from Jesus, we have no way to access what God himself calls life. I'm not talking about blood running through your veins. I'm not talking about the biology of human existence. There's something in the heart of God that says it's not just about existence. There's this thing called life. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that you may have life. And have it abundantly. And he's talking to living, breathing people who are biologically alive. Correct? But he's saying what you've got is not the kind of life that God created you to have here on planet Earth. There's something more that you need to have. And the key to it is this man called Jesus. He's the key to accessing and laying hold of this life 
that God wants us to have. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So again, there's something about Jesus, there's something about this baby, this gift that was given to us, this gift that was handed to us 2,000 years ago that we're celebrating, this gift is the access, the doorway, the key to accessing life as God intends life to be for each of us. So it's not just a baby in a manger. It's the gift of life that God offers to us through this baby. For God so loved the world. There it is again. God loved the world that he gave. God loved the world, and so he gave. I don't know what you think about God this morning. I don't know. All I know is this. You know yourself better than any other human being in this room. You know things about you that no other person in this room knows. I don't care how tight your relationship is. Some, you know, There's stuff in your heart and your background. There are thoughts you think that never see the light of day. You might catch them, and you might repent of them. You might put them away. Sometimes you let them go a lot further than they should. Maybe there are things you say, attitudes you have in your heart. There's stuff about you that nobody else knows but you, except there's one other person that knows it, and it's God. God knows it. God doesn't just see us on the top of the mountains. He sees us in the bottom of the valleys. Yet he loves us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us. Whether you feel like you're conquering the world right now this morning, whether you feel like you're failing in every single area of your life, the message of Christmas is very simple. God wants to say to you, I love you, and I haven't given up on you. I love you and I won't give up on you. That's the message of Christmas when we look at that baby in a manger, when we look at Jesus Christ. We need to accept that gift though. See, God gives us a gift for a reason. I had an uncle many years ago and here's what he did. I remember one Christmas we were at a little place called Baradine. Anyone ever been to Baradine? I used to, I used to live out there in Nakuna Barabra and I used to live out in this little fibro shack with me and my mum and and Dad, when I was a little kid, I remember waking up one night because we'd hear this noise in this one-room thing and my mother switched on a lamp and there was a big bat sitting on her feet staring at her at night time and Dad getting up and chasing a bat around this room and me just laying there covering my head hoping no one stood on me. But we went out there for Christmas one year and my uncle came on out and we all exchanged gifts and handed things around and he took his gifts and I remember it so vividly because I was a young kid at the time. And he picked up his gifts. We all unwrapped them and he didn't. He just put them in a pile. And then at the end of the three or four days we were all together as a family, he picked up his gifts and he put them in the boot of his car, still wrapped. Put the boot of his car down and drove off. Went back to Sydney where he was living. Twelve months later we were back together for a family gathering. And I think it was in Baradine as well, same place. And I remember my uncle pulling up in his, um, he used to call it the yellow canary. He had a yellow, old yellow Corolla, really bright yellow. And he pulled up. And I used to like this uncle, so we got on really well. I, I, I went and said good day to him, and he popped the boot of his car to get his bags out, and he still had the gifts sitting in the boot of his car, and they were still unwrapped. I don't know why he never unwrapped those gifts. I don't know what was in those gifts. And here's the thing, he'll never know what was in those gifts either because he chose to never unwrap those gifts. But when gifts are given to us, there's something we need to do. We need to receive those gifts. We need to accept those gifts. And the gift of Jesus given to us was not just so that we could look at nativity scenes and see babies in a manger. Jesus was given to us as a gift to allow us to access life. 
a life that we will never be able to access outside of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the story of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's this. It's that there's this wall between me and God. And I don't know about you, but you ever tried knocking a brick wall down with your hands? You cannot do it. And God knows that we can't knock a brick wall down with our hands. He knows that there's nothing we can do to climb our way back up into his presence. He knows there's nothing we can do to clean ourselves up in order to stand before a holy and a perfect God without spot or blemish. And so he sends Jesus. And the story of Jesus is very simple. Jesus went about doing good, the Bible says, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus did this. He walked about planet Earth and he showed us how we should live. He showed us how we should treat other people. He showed us how we we should respect ourselves. He showed us how we should honour God with our life and with our energies and with our time and with our lifestyle. He went about and he modelled how we should live as followers of God here on planet Earth. And he also went about pointing people back to God because we get distracted I mean, we were coming to the end of a year, and I'll tell you what, I've been so distracted this year. My attention is drawn in a thousand different directions all the time. Every single day, I've got to stop, recenter myself, and go, hang on, I've got to keep God at the center of my life. And if I'm not consciously doing that, it's amazing how quickly and how easily and how subtly we get dragged away from the cross. We get dragged away from our attention and our focus on God. It, It happens. We live in a world that's very, very good at doing it. And so Jesus came into a world that was full of religions, And he pointed people back. He said, stop bowing down to man-made idols. Stop bowing down to philosophy. Stop bowing down to ideologies. There's a real living creator God there. Have a look at the world around you. Look at the order of this universe. Look at the beautiful mountains. Look at the streams. Look at how the tide comes in, the tide goes out. Look at how we get four seasons in a year. Look at the fact that if we were just a little bit closer to the sun, we would melt. We're a little bit further away from the sun, planet Earth. We would uh, would fry. We would a little bit closer. We'd fry a little further away. We, we, we freeze. Look at the human eye. Look at how complicated the human eye is. I mean, technology has come nowhere near creating a camera that comes anywhere near the human eye. Think about it. Think about your heart beats and blood flows around your body. You breathe in, in, in oxygen. You breathe out, now was it, carbon dioxide. The tree out there is sucking in the carbon dioxide and pushing out oxygen. Think about the created order of the world. It's amazing. It's absolutely mind-boggling. When you sit back and you think, most of us don't think, we just go through our motions of life. We get in a car and we just drive. And we, we don't think about, geez, isn't it wonderful to have a sun above my head? Isn't it wonderful that we had the brains to come up with a motor car to, to drive with? Where, where did that brain come from? Where did the, the, the thought processes for all that stuff come from? Why is it that, that this world has all the materials and the things we needed to create light bulbs and fans? And It's amazing. It all started with God creating putting all this stuff down here. And that God loves you and he loves me. One of my favourite authors is a guy called Brennan Manning. Don't look him up because you'll probably lose respect for me. But he's an ex-Franciscan monk who spent his life on top of the mountain then down in the valley and on top of the mountain down in the valley. Struggled. He had Alcoholism was his big problem. And he would... But funnily enough, he travelled the world and spoke at huge conferences and everything. And I remember reading, I've just finished reading his biography, and he said how I'd go and stand on a stage, and he said I would preach and speak, and the love of God would touch people, the grace of God would touch people. Then I'd go back to my hotel room, and I'd drink myself into a stupor. And he begged, God, help me. He went to rehab, he did this, he did that, did all kinds of things. But he made a statement, and I never forgot, and he said this. He said, God loves us as we are, and not as we should be, for none of us are as we should be. God loves you as you are. And not as you should be, 
Because there's not a single human being in this room right now that is as they should be. But God loves you anyway. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus came down to earth. God gave us a gift. The culmination of Jesus' life, we all know about this. We celebrate it at Easter. Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us. He hung on a cross. He was crucified. He was nailed to a tree. And he died for us. He took upon himself the punishment that you and I deserve. That's the gift that God offers us, the gift of life through Jesus. I came across this statement. I can't find who the author is. But he said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a saviour. So I want to leave you with this thought today. God can't do any more for you to show you how much he loves you than what he's done in sending Jesus. I don't know. We want signs. We want miracles. We want this. We want fish to jump out of this, the water. We want the breeze to blow a certain way, you know. If it's really you, God, make a yellow Camry drive past me. We've got all these things. But I look at that baby in a manger and I see that there's no benefit to God to do that. But he so loves us and he so wants relationship with us that he did what he had to do to remove that wall of sin between you and him. He did what he had to do to get rid of that, to take that away because he knew that we would never be good enough to get there ourselves. So he made a way for us. But just like my uncle, the gift has been given to you. We're celebrating it in a couple of days' time. That gift has been given to you. But you have to make a choice to accept that gift. You have to make a choice to unwrap that gift. Otherwise, you can be like my uncle. You can have that gift there. See, salvation, Del mentioned this morning in her, her uh, communion talk, that salva- the time of salvation is now. The time to get our lives right with God is right now. It's not tomorrow, it's not next week, it's not next year. I don't know if I have tomorrow. I don't know if I have next week. I don't know if I have another year. I don't know how much time I have that's in the hands of God. Those seasons of life and death are in the hands of God. I've got no idea. Jackie's friend recently, we were all praying for, Michelle, had cancer got some news and, and, and went through this cycle where it looked like it wasn't as bad. Then all of a sudden, she just came down really, really sick and within two weeks, she was gone. Just like that. I don't know if I've got another day in me. You don't know if you've got another day in you. What I do know is I've got this moment and what I do know is I've got this day right now. And what I do with Jesus in this very moment right now can impact not only the rest of my life here on planet Earth, but it can have an impact on my eternity as well. See, God has given us a gift in Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with the gift? Are you going to leave it wrapped up in the boot of the car and get no benefit out of that gift and die never having really experienced what that gift was meant to give you, the joy, the peace that we can find with God, to have our sins dealt with, to have our guilt washed away, to have our conscience cleaned up, to re-enter into relationship with God, the way that mankind was intended to have relationship with God. Not religion. Here's the thing. Jesus, I think if Jesus was to walk into our church today, I think he'd be disgusted at the Christian religion because he never came to give the world another religion. I think he'd be saddened that people say Jesus was a great moral teacher because he didn't come to earth to be a great moral teacher. Other religions acknowledge him as a great prophet. He never came to earth to be a prophet. He came to earth 
to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus lived his life completely selflessly. He lived his life on planet Earth as a gift to others. He didn't walk about doing his own will. He didn't come here doing what he wanted. He knew that he was a gift given for a bigger purpose. And he lived and he died. He lived his life and he died for that bigger purpose. He knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane. You all know the story. Droplets of blood. And he prayed. He said, Father, if there's any other way we can do this. What he was saying was if there's another way to give them the gift of life without me going through this, then I sure would appreciate that. But at the end of the day, Father, if this is the way it has to be done, then so be it, your will and not mine. And he ended up on a cross as a result of that prayer and that decision. What will you do with Jesus Christ? You know, I stand up here uh, every Sunday and I talk to you every Sunday. But I don't know your heart. I don't know where you're at with Jesus. I, I can make assumptions, but you know, everyone knows what assumptions mean. They make a, out of you and me. I think today is a good day for me to ask everyone in this room the question, what have you done with Jesus? Have you opened up your heart to him? Have you accepted the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as having taken place for your sins? Have you asked God to come into your world? Have you asked God to send his spirit to clean you up, to deal with the hurts, the disappointments, to take you on a journey, to take you, to give you that thing that Jesus talked about when he said, I've come to give you life. Not existence, but life. The thing that John talked about in that verse we just looked at, that God came and he sent his son that we would have life through him. Have you invited God into your world? Have you made the conscious choice to go, I'm not going to keep living for myself. God, I'm going to find out your ways, your purposes, and I'm going to start living for you. I don't know. That's, that's private. It's between you and God. I don't know. But I think today is a really, really good day just to throw that challenge out to you. How are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing with that gift? That beautiful gift of God, given for the forgiveness of your sins. What are you doing with that? Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads for a second? I just want to ask you this question. I'm not going to ask anyone to come up the front. I'm not going to, you know make a scene of you. But I'm going to ask you this right now. Is there anybody here and you know in your heart of hearts you have not opened up your life to Jesus. You know that you have not invited God into your world. You know that you're sitting here today and you're still trying to get right with God in your own strength. You're sitting here, you're still trying maybe to prove to God that you can do it. You've never opened up your heart. You've never asked the Lord to forgive you for your sin. You've never asked him to come and wash you clean. You've never asked him to send his spirit to come and dwell inside of you and to give you the power and the energy you need to live this life here on planet earth. If that's you, if you've never done that but you want to do that today, I'm just going to ask you just shoot your hand in the air, pull it back down. I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to get you up the front, nothing. I just want to give you a chance to respond. It has nothing to do with me. I can't save you but God can and little acts of faith like sticking a hand up. It's just an act of faith before God. If there's anybody here this morning Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's, let's all pray together. Everyone just pray with me. Father God, I thank you for the birth of Jesus. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that Jesus died for me. Father, I acknowledge my sin before you. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me clean this morning. 
Father, I choose to live for you. Lord, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit. Fill me now. Empower me. Lead me. Guide me. And turn me into the person you want me to be. So I can experience the life that Jesus came to give. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, look. Have a Merry Christmas. That's all I had for you this morning. If there's anything you'd like to talk about out of that message today, good thing about coming to church here for me anyway is that I, I make notes and, and, and stuff and I can always just rehash them later because I rarely ever use them. But uh, so I've got another great message there. So come here, come here Christmas next year and I'll give you this message Christmas time next year if you like to come back to Arise. Um, feel free to hang around. We've got a barbecue that we're cranking up now and we're going to uh, have the castle blown up shortly for the kids as well. Uh, like I said, if... if, if if there's been anything said today that has registered with you or you'd like to chat, doesn't have to be with me. Maybe you came with someone. Grab someone, talk to them. If you prayed that prayer just then for the first time and you opened yourself up to God, I want you to tell someone. You have to come to me. I'm not embarrassing you, but maybe you came with a friend or someone. Just, just nudge them and go, hey, I just want to let you know. Just want to let you know this is what I just did. And if somebody says that to you, don't bombard them. Don't give them 50 things they have to do. Okay, just love them, pray with them, and, uh, and, and help them uh, in those first new steps of their journey. So God bless you guys. Hang around. Barbecue, uh, Jumping Castle, and I think that's no more announcements. Gluten-free meat. All the sausages are gluten-free. Oh, great. So now you're going to complain and say, I don't eat gluten-free. You can't win here. Gluten-free snags. God bless, guys.